the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Parables and stories out of the book of Luke. One of those stories gives us a marvelous teaching on prayer, as we'll see next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. And again, hi there. Welcome to the program. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard has us in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. It's a teaching on prayer that Jesus leaves his disciples and us. As we focus our attention on this teaching, on this story, we find ourselves understanding just what prayer really is all about. With more, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard, on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever asked you to teach them to pray? Why not? Well, first of all, they'd have to catch you praying. They'd have to hear you. That's the problem with mute prayer. Amen. Well, it may have been a great experience. They never prayed mutely in the service. Look in Israel's worship. When they came together, hear me well, they never came together to be mute. Praise of God. It was a corporate community experience. You know, if you praise me, uh, you cannot praise me alone. You know, I I did something that impressed you, and you want to praise me, let's say. You always need another person in order to praise someone. Do you follow that? You can give thanksgiving directly. But when you praise God, you don't do it in private. They came together to praise him because why? You're wanting to shout off what your God did to others. You sing his praises to others. Remember that. I learned that from Dr. Allen in the book of Psalms. I never knew it. It was an astounding thing. He said, praise was never known to be quiet nor private. You came to the congregation and said, let's sing his praises or let's shout out his praise. God gave us victory. God did this. There was always an audience involved in praise. But here they heard him pray and they said, teach us to pray. Now, people take this two ways. One, teach us just to pray, just to practice prayer, uh, just to do it. They, they observe in the book of Luke alone, I think it's eight times that he's in the wilderness. He's in the mountain. He was always going somewhere to pray. How would you uh, put that together when you're watching a man that demons flee, winds obey, uh, water turns to wine, 
multitudes get fed, and he's the only one out of the pack that always gets away to pray. Would you see a connection? He's the only one among you that's without sin. Who's the only one? You said, you don't need to pray. He prayed. I often uh, think about that. Does anybody ever ask us to teach him to pray? Now, second thing about it, I think, is very interesting. People have to be taught to pray. uh, I grew up in a tradition that you get saved and you just start praying, as it were. There was no teaching about the how. You just came to prayer meeting, and and it was kind of caught, you know. But these were loud prayer meetings. People were praying out, uh, very emotional and uh, very intense. And so you would pick up that environment And you would know that, boy, you could be bold before the throne because these people serve work. But it is an amazing thing, something that we don't teach young believers that we just assume we don't teach them how to pray. Let's teach them to tithe, but we need to teach them to pray, which is interesting. It's not automatically caught. So when Christ begins to teach them to pray... He gives what some folks say is a rote prayer that you ought to memorize. And in some liturgical uh, circles, they quote this every Lord's Day, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Boom. I just prayed. No, you just quoted a prayer. The Lord is, this is really the disciples' prayer, that when he began to teach them, it's very interesting. He gave them an example of a pattern kind of prayer. And let me just note, because I don't want to stay there. I want to get to the parables. Uh, Several things we ought to note. That prayer was a communal prayer. There's not one thing here said, Lord, give me what I want. Lord, heal my poodle. Lord, give us a brand new car. Lord, bless my wife, to kind of be sweet. Uh, None of that stuff. It's a pattern of kind of, uh, what I would say, arteries of need that God welcomes you to bring. But they're interested. Our Father, give us. No, I want my daily bread. I'm teaching you to pray for our daily bread. Why? It's communal. It's interested in others, too. Uh, How would you feel if you were the only one that had food in this church? It wouldn't be too enjoyable. Give us our bread. Meet the needs of a communal. You must get rid of American Christianity. It's not biblical. And American Christianity teaches everybody to vote. That's what church life in America runs. I joined to vote. The New Testament, they never did join to vote. They came to serve, praise God, and to have a communal life that I'm not independent of you. I'm now joined to a people that what happens to them, good or bad, I share. It's a mutual suffering, mutual rejoicing community. Very different to Americans who are independent to the hill. If the church doesn't go right, I'll get me another church. In the New Testament, you didn't have that option. There many times was no other church in town. You belong to a community, and we seldom pray communally. That's why you don't like most prayer meetings. I don't want to hear you pray 10 minutes about your navel or your mother. Now, that sounds cool. 
I would like for you to pray about the communal needs of God's people, the needs we all share in common. Couldn't you save the private praying for at home? Pray a communal prayer. That's why I'm afraid to call on very many men to pray publicly. I don't know what they're going to say because you don't know how to pray communally. What do we as a church need? What do we as a people of God need? Not your needs, our needs. We need deliverance from temptation. We need to be led. We need daily bread. We need our Father's kingdom to come. We need God's will to be done. Don't pray your will. We don't want to hear it. And God doesn't want to hear it. He wants you to come. And the pattern is, when you pray, acknowledge God's holiness, his hallowedness. Acknowledge God's kingdom come. And he says in Matthew, thy will be done. Luke omits it. This is the shorter prayer. Give us our daily bread. So God is certainly concerned if he takes care of birds and their physical needs, he takes care of ours. And it's legitimate to talk to him about it. Uh, He goes on, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. This is all over in the teaching of Christ. Forgiveness is the biggest issue you must always bring in prayer. And uh, you might even pray, may this community be a forgiving community, this church. May we not have pockets of resentment, grudge-bearing, bitterness, undertoes of uh, grudge-bearing. Oh, may we be the most forgiving community you could find in the Bay Area. Right here. Well, that means there's going to be something to forgive. I want to go to church where there's nothing to forgive. Drop dead. You might as well go to heaven. It's in heaven you never need forgiveness. Down here you need it daily. And you need to forgive daily. Go ahead. You can forgive each other right now. You you, you take the typical, the greatest spiritual battle in America is Sunday morning when saints are going to church. I mean, you cannot believe it. I mean, the typical thing is, hurry, hurry, we've got to go to church. It's time to worship God. And then the kids are back there. I'm getting you down there to learn about the love of Jesus. You know, I mean, all of this stuff. My wife and I had more. Any time we were going to have an argument, it would be Sunday morning going to church. I mean, she was too slow. I was too fast. We had to buy two cars. I'd leave her home. I'd go just to remain spiritual. You know? Uh, but, but the kids, and uh, I've done some of my worst sinning on Sunday mornings about being impatient with my wife and the kids. Totally sinful. Why that? Well, I'm going to do the will of God, and he's just going to attack us. And I need a lot of forgiveness. That's why I try not to be with my wife two days before I preach. I don't need forgiveness. Oh, that's being very sarcastic. Because I'm the one that would need it, believe me. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, do you ever pray that? Well, no. Every day, I'm, I'm fit for the day. I don't need to be praying. Don't lead me into it. I'll call on you once I get in it. No. That's being aware of the dangers of this community in a week's time, what we could fall into. So, he's giving them this pattern. And he does this. He follows up with three encouragements. And two of them are two parabolic illustrations, and one is a simple, straightforward command promise. Now, let's look at it. He says about the neighbor, suppose a friend 
uh, has a guest fall in on him, and he's not prepared. Uh, he catches him empty-handed. The bread they used was like tortilla, and you needed just three of them. This guest came in at night, wasn't expecting it, and he's caught empty-handed. Now, the ancient Near East, not to be prepared to meet someone's physical needs, give them hospitality, provide, was an insult. And so he's in a, uh, he's in a precarious position. He's got to get something. He's, he can't tell these people, go to bed hungry. He just can't do that. But he's in a dilemma. The hour is inconvenient. It's a very inconvenient time. And uh, think of it. If your family came in on you all of a sudden, how many of you would have the boldness at midnight to go to your neighbor's and borrow some sugar? When you just say, now we have Safeway. They didn't have Safeway. All they have is neighbors. And so what happens? I either tell the guest to go to bed. I've got a friend that's a neighbor, but he might not be a friend after tonight if I wake him up. Now, he goes to the neighbor's house, midnight. Now, you've got to know these neighbors, they all slept in one room, so that means all the children were asleep. Everybody's in one room. They had a series of locks. They didn't just say, turn the lock. They would tie it. They would have maybe four or five locks. These are homemade locks. Uh, and they were tied to a village. If it gets too disturbing, you can wake up the village, not just the neighbor. So the man's wrestling. It's the wrong time. It's not convenient. And I don't know what mood a man's going to be in that I wake up, wake up the kids, all because I don't have the bread I should have already had. But I'm caught off guard. What do I do? And there's one characteristic that Christ lays hold of. And he says, the man comes, and the King James said, because of his importunity, whatever that is. Uh, Some translate it because of his persistence. Uh, NIV translates it because of his boldness. It's a combination of two ideas. It's, first of all, it was used negatively of a shameless, bold person. That was obnoxious. So it had that negative use. The other side was shameless boldness. I am not ashamed to wake you up in order to meet my brother's need. I cannot worry about protocol, embarrassment. I am caught without the resources, and I've got to get the resources, so I will be shamelessly bold in making my request and coming at an inconvenient hour. Now, Christ tells us that story. Why? It's a parable of uh, comparison and contrast. Now, is he saying that in prayer we've got to wake up God the Father? No. No. Is he saying that in prayer, uh, it's an inconvenience for God, that he doesn't want to be bothered? No, just the opposite. God's always awake. God's always ready. God's always willing. But he doesn't always find us shamelessly bold. We don't want it bad enough to show up. We don't want it bad enough to ask him. 
And he's saying, everything is going in your favor. There's no negatives to overcome when you pray to God as your Father. And I made a little list here of the uh, comparisons and the contrast. The neighbor, he goes to a friend. When we pray, we go to our Father. Uh, He goes at an inconvenient time. When we go to God, there's never an inconvenient time. Uh, He asked the neighbor to meet one need, three little tortillas, little flat pieces of bread. When you come to God, he said, I can supply everything you need. Name it. The neighbor's request was a small need. God says, you know, when you're omnipotent, everything looks about the same size. The uh, neighbor come in and request a loan. Uh, When we go to God, don't borrow from God. Say, I want it without payback. He gives it. He doesn't loan it. He gives it. And, um, and you go to this guy in this story, to an unfriendly man that didn't want to be disturbed. And when you go to a father, he, he, he's got his arms wide open. Come. My son is telling you, this is God the Son encouraging you. I just showed you how to pray. I'm telling you how much I want you to come. You'll never find my door locked. You'll never find the midnight hour in heaven. You will find a willing father standing there. Why don't you get bold and come? Our problem is not with what's on the other end. Our problem is getting enough gumption down here and to get all these tinker toys out of our hands to feel a real need that only God can meet. And God says, I want you to come because you've always got refrigerator rights in heaven. I told my mother when I got married, I said, I'm willing to get married, but I'm not giving up refrigerator rights. And every time I went to their house, and my wife didn't like to bake and stuff, so I, I'd always see, hug my mother. Uh, how are you? You know, it seemed a little mixed motive. I'd hug her, move her aside, and check the fridge. <laughs> see if she'd bake something. Say, well, son, you've been married five years. I don't care. I said I did not give up refrigerator rights. And uh, when you are in this family of God, you've got refrigerator rights anytime, day or night. Show up. Hunger's the only thing that will get you to the fridge. And that's not true in America. Some of you just in the habit. You don't have hunger. You just run in there. It's the only jogging you do is running for the fridge. Uh, but, you know, hunger is the thing that ought to make you go for it. And he said, here, if you'll show up, If you'll show up, you won't meet a barred door. You'll meet a willing father. Then he goes from there, and he he goes from the story to three quick commands and three promises of reward. So his first encouragement is, God's not a midnight neighbor that doesn't want to be disturbed, but he's a midnight God that never knows any time schedule. Just show up. And he'll be ready and prepared for those who are shamelessly bold to bring their need. You know what? Uh, Shame is a terrible thing to live with. To feel inferior, to feel embarrassed about your need. I looked up this word shame just to get it uh, working in my mind. Painful emotion caused by a strong sense of guilt. Embarrassment. I'm too embarrassed to admit I got this need. I feel unworthy. 
uh, great disappointment. I love what he said in Romans 5, 5. This hope that you've been given does not shame you. King James translated disappoint. The word is to shame. The hope God has put in us to go to him and the hope we were born with in the family of God, it will never shame you. There's no need you could ever say before God that you need to be ashamed about. It was just like these wealthy people we knew in Texas. And one time we were complimenting the woman on their humility and and great spirits. He says, why, why, we all look the same to God in the shower. I never thought of it that way. But I said, the jewelry's off, the clothes are off, you're just, you're just naked. You bring nothing. And God says, why aren't you showing up? Is there not anything you need? You're worried about that unsaved grandchild that neighbor that's coming in on you and you don't have the need. You don't have, you don't have what it takes to meet their need. God says, you haven't been coming to me. If you'd come to me, I've got more than you need. Well, I don't have wisdom. Why no, bozo? Sheep are known for stupidity, not for wisdom. They need a shepherd. Sheep aren't smart. God wasn't complimenting you when he called you a sheep. It was the biblical way of saying low IQ. You don't know how to get there. You don't, dummy. You can get a graduate degree and not know how to get through this life in the will of God and keep a marriage and raise some kids. You don't know how. But I'll tell you, you come there. He said, I won't give you a lecture, James 1, 5. I'll give you everything you need. I just wish we believed him. If we only believed God's sincerity as much as he does, we'd be knocking all the time, wouldn't we? We play Little Richard's song. Who's that knocking at my door? Oh, you young people, you don't even know the song. That's all right. Just had a flashback. I'm feeling it. Uh, then notice what he said. Uh, so I say to you, and let me reflect the Greek. It's a, an imperative and it's a present tense. So I say unto you, Be asking me all the time, and be seeking all the time, and be knocking all the time just for exercise. Oh, no. Ask, and it will be given. Do you have anybody you get money that easy? Just ask, and it will be given. Anybody ever bought a home? I mean, after, by the time I signed the 50th document, I said, do you want any more security? Yeah. No, no, it's not. I just ask. No, no, no. We want you to tie up your family inheritance for 100 years just to get this place. Because we trust you immensely. Here, he said, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Now, that means you want it. Have you ever lost anything that you really sought In other words, prayer is never for the passive. It won't appeal to you. If you want it just to happen to you, God do it. You know, it's like buying an exercise machine. And when you buy your treadmill, you ask if you could strap on everything and just turn on a motor so it moves your legs. No, you've got to do it. And in prayer, we say, well, it all sounds good. Will God do it for me? No. Will you do it for me, God? No, I won't. 
Will you ask for me? No, I won't. Well, what if I don't ask? I'll give it to someone that does. And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church, and we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us, again, financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated, and your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.